How was your day? I'm telling you. Mm. Crazy. Tell me. It's been crazy lately. I, you know, what, what you just talked about, it was like I had a conversation with uh, with a client and um, there's all these different laterals that are going on right now, which have been really fun to be able to explore because they're in their infancy. You know, they, um, it started off as I, I had a, I ran some of my labs um, and like everything was, was okay, except for a couple different markers. And I'm just like, yeah, that's what 45 does. It's like, all of a sudden I'm realizing, okay, now it's, I mean, I, I eat really clean, I eat well, but obviously there's still things that I could be better at. So it's interesting when you exercise consistently and you eat well, and maybe the lab is high LDL, maybe it's not. So I, I actually went back to do another blood test to see like where my LDL and cholesterol are at. And then it's like, okay, what are markers that can actually lead to higher cholesterol? And when there's so many really cool um, resources for um, understanding how um, how cholesterol may affect each individual. Um, there's, there's just so much information out there that um, that can be very useful. And then plus I have uh, a couple of um, really good relationships with docs. So I, you know, it's like I can just present my findings and, and, and my reports to them, which is, which is really helpful. Um, and then also it's like, I found that a couple other clients are, are dealing with some really interesting things too, where it's like, it seems like things have been really serious this week. Like things mm. just been really intense, but then also it's, it's led to, um, you know, like what we do is, is discovery, right? Like each day we, we find, and play with different connections of uh, of interpretation, holism, reductionism, um, empiricism, and rationalism. We're, we're, we're playing with those different corners for for making better decisions, and and, and it's so interesting. <laughs> it takes so much energy throughout the week in, in order to have it come full circle, especially when it's about me rather than a family member or about a client. So it's like okay take a step back. What does all the data say? Like, what does that have to do with me personally? And then how can I, how can I, how can I look at these data points and then choose my intervention um, or non-intervention based upon that? I don't know. Does that make sense? What did you choose? I'm still, the, the verdict's still out. No, so, I don't know. It sounded like, sounded like it had come full circle. I was waiting to hear the answer. Well, that was it. You know, like um, I already made some changes based upon you know, if it, if, but what I, what I've known about, um, my own personal markers, you know, um, about reading about people that synthesize, uh, cholesterol a certain way about ApoB, about lipoproteins and, and, um, about particle density and particle size and, um, the amount of cholesterol, total cholesterol versus uh, amount of particles and what that matters for into intima media thickness of, of I would like heart. to, I would like to interrupt you right now to tell you that I have no idea what you're talking about. Right <laughs> None of this makes any sense to me. So you might need to speak to me in a little bit more, you know, yeah, like layman yeah. term. So, so basically what was really cool is that like, um, when I've been looking around into uh, physiology and, and um, biochem and, and the interactions of particles, towards uh, my own physiology. It's like, it's interesting to hear how 
that there's this, this part of the um, the artery or the the vascular um, structure where it's called the intima, and the intima is like you have this out out the, these cells like that that are like your very first layer of cells of of the artery, and and what happens is like sometimes these small particles can can get into the space um, between these cells. And when they get into the intima, that's when all these bad problems tend to happen for people. And, you know, I was thinking like um, atherosclerosis and, and all these um, arterial problems would happen, you know, usually get exhibited in, in like early 50s to 60 for, for males. But like in, in one post that I saw from a, a Peter Atia post, it was really fascinating to see like that he, he posted a picture of um, in, intima media thickening, which is when cholesterol gets in there and starts ballooning out and creating plaque in the artery. Um, and he was like, this person died of a gunshot. But when they did an autopsy, they found this. What do you think the age of this person was? And it was like this super thick intima media thickness. It was like thick and placky. And I was like, holy crap. I'm like, it was, he was 23. It was like, oh, wow. the stuff happens, can happen early. It can really happen early. And depending upon like how your body is um, producing cholesterol, because a lot of the cholesterol that, that people consume won't be absorbed. And because of how, like it, how, I guess, supposedly the size of it, some people absorb it, other people don't. So like, as, as, as I'm taking in this information and, and, and making heads or tails of it, it's just interesting for me to see now how, um, exercise because, um, endurance training seems to have a big effect on, on LDL and, and, um, cholesterol and in general, um, and also triglycerides, lipid profiles, I should say. And then also, um, what, what is my what is my genetic makeup like? Like, what, what kind of producer am I of cholesterol? And what's my fiber intake? And, and also, what are um, environmental stressors and, and overall stressors on my system to be able to minimize um, uh, glucocorticoids and other interactions uh, that may change hormone interactions and, and my use of cholesterol? So it's, it's interesting to see how all these things combine. So that's, that was, you can see why my, my week's been a little. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like you've got a lot on your mind. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so, uh, then comes cervical stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I have, I have a question about what you're talking about now though. Um, you, all this, all this talk about, you know, like all of these different, um, all of these different things that come into play. Um, and, and you just ran this lab and or ran these labs and have all these markers and stuff mm -hmm. the, you must have some idea of like what your most, um, influential, like, like what, what is it, what is it that you can do that's most going to influence this, uh, a change in your labs, like an improvement. That, you know, that's an, a fantastic question. I like the main takeaway I had of this was I'm 45. I'm like, I don't know. I'm below 12% body fat. I, I eat well. And yet my markers came back for higher LDL. What do I think my clients have going on her in their sixties and eighties? 
It's like if you don't know, and all of a sudden you're blasting them with this exercise thing, that's high risk. I think that's really high risk. You know, if someone's in their 30s, not going to be that big of a deal, but one of the majority markers for for cardiac events and and um, circulatory events like stroke and heart attack, because what ends up happening is that that intima when when there is a um, plaque buildup. There is a disruption, which then causes a clot, and that clot travels through the body and causes problems. So nobody really knows what they have going on inside of them. So then it becomes, instead of feeling um, helpless from it, realize that, you know what, I'm going to take this as, where am I going to start this person safely? And I'm going to take their blood pressure. Am I going to do a submaximal card like cardiac screen or submaximal um, heart rate screen so that I can see like how their heart rate responds if I'm going to start doing some sort of cardiovascular training? And then um, if if I know their history and they've suffered some sort of uh, motor vehicle accident or sports trauma that involves maybe some vascular tissues or they've ha- already had a coronary or uh, the TIA or something like that. It's like, okay, now um, I, I realize that there there is a, a potential for some of this stuff. And, and there's also a um, huge amount of evidence that, that shows how resistance training and uh, aerobic training or endurance training can benefit people like that. So it, it appropriately um, uh, dosing the exercise mm-hmm. response becomes um, becomes huge instead of just reps and sets it's like how are we really dosing this out and customizing it for the client experience that's what i that's what i took away from it that um that's seriously i think one of the most important things that we as exercise professionals can learn is how to how to dose for our clients and not not just like how to not just how to give them enough recovery time but how to like also give them the right amount of stimulation to where they're not like, like how we were talking about Jake the other day. Like it's Mm -hmm. so easy for me to just like take him to a place where it's like not okay, you know? (laughs) And I can, and I, and I get to, and I get there and then I'm like, okay, well, how much recovery time does he need? Um, And sometimes he'll, you know, sometimes my clients will recover and sometimes I'll be like, Oh, this is taking a little bit too long. Um, and it really, when you when you find those numbers, when you figure out exactly what somebody needs as far as dosage goes, it's like like all the scariness kind of goes away from it. Sometimes there have been times where I've been working with a client and I've just been like, oh my God, I'm about to fuck this up real bad. <laughs> <laughs> Love that internal positive monologue. You got there. <laughs> You said you want, you said you wanted a real, so I'm mm. just going to give you the real. That's awesome. No, I, I like, I can completely relate. That's why that, that's why I, I, I it's I'm still funny trying to and figure so out true. how to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm still that's trying so to true. figure out how to properly dose somebody. And, you know, we can, we can take these, these courses, right. We can do all these like little workshops, like the one you and I did where we were like doing all that phase two stuff and like trying to figure out where something was coming from. But, you know, in the end, every single person is going to be different and they're going to react differently to stuff. And some people are going to be more obvious when they're starting to go lower quality and other people are like, you won't even know until 
until something's happened. Like sometimes you don't even know, sometimes the the thing that that doesn't work for them doesn't even seem related to the the actual exercise that you gave them. Hmm. It, you know, what's interesting is when we talk about, and, I, and this may be very vague for uh, other people that are listening to this show because um, they're they're doing what um, what 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 I would call traditional exercise, and even even when um, and what I mean by that is that there are still questions about like, is stretching this way okay, or is this exercise good for this scenario, and how many reps and sets to get a certain type of hypertrophy or strength or power where like we just in our circles, we don't really have those conversations anymore because of there's so much more to look at than just, um, than just hypertrophy and so much more to look at than, than just, um, um, mitochondrial function in, in, in endurance training and, in and like, um, high intensity interval training. There's just so much more to look at than, than that, because there's all this room in between to be able to, to look at subjective and objective markers of how somebody moves relative to other parts of their body and how well they control it. Even the definition of control is, is way different. So how, how do you know something is controlled and like, why would it matter? If like how I see something, it's not just how I, I used to think that how I saw something was how well it was controlled. And mm. now it's like, I, I don't believe that at all. It's a piece of it. What, what is control to you? But it's, that's number one, it's an awesome question. The way that, that I would define control is kind of an amalgam of, of several different, um, um, quotes that other people have put together. I, I would say that control is when, um, as a, as a professional, not the person who's doing the action, the person who is observing the action is where the visual representation meets the recovery ability meets the subjective reporting to meet the level of agency and direction of the end result that is trying to be achieved. That's what I view control to be. So you need, um, you need something that looks similar to what you think is going to happen. Um, that when they're finished, that it, it takes the, amount of time you believe it's necessary for it to recover. And mm -hmm. then off of that, what did they subjectively report to you on how they felt when they did it? I really like that you, um, that you brought it down to my level. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that, that makes sense. Yeah. I and mean, what, what do you think about when it comes to control? Like, what are the things that, that really stand out to you? I mean, I was just thinking about that um, because you say it so much. I mean, I come from a group fitness background, right? And so it's always like, man, control it. Make sure you have control, control in both directions. You know, you're mm -hmm. saying that kind of stuff all the time, but yeah, re really, what does it mean? Um, and, and I guess I haven't really haven't really given a lot of thought to it lately. I think it's really more, um, 
I don't know. I, I like, for example, when I, um, like when I was working, I was working with a new client yesterday. Um, and for me, I was like, it was just so many things. I was just asking her so many questions. I just, <laughs> I don't know. And I, I don't know if she really had control of things, but it looked like it to me. I was asking her, um, what it felt like. And I was asking her, um, well, I was asking her to just share stuff with me and like where she was feeling things. And, um, there were like moments where I saw that she looked like she moved more quickly. Like the movement wasn't fluid. It wasn't like smooth. So I asked her if she could change that. Um, and I gave her some cues, like maybe if you try pushing with your left, like with your left knee more than trying to like push through your shoulder, we're doing a torso rotation, um, <laughs> reverse action. Um, and, uh, and, and it, I don't know. I think, I don't know. I guess, I guess I, so. No, I mean, she, this is, it's a very difficult question. And one of the things, that, <laughs> you know, what's, what's funny is that, you know, I actually, I wrote some things down okay. and, um, and I didn't, it's funny. Cause I didn't really think it would go like the conversation would go here, but like I wrote these things down. Cause I was like, okay, general well-being of any joints, you know, like it, if, because control to me doesn't mean you got to do it slow. Control yeah. means like it's of any velocity, right? Because it, not speed, sure. speed, because speed is a scalar. Speed is just like, it has no direction. So if like the velocity of this, this almost like moment of inertia, like what happened around this axis of rotation and how well was, did the person think that they did it compared to what I saw and what they felt and then what was their output and then literally like what happened like what was the effect of that right like what happened from all that and 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 my biases definitely got got the better of me in the early part of my career now i'm just like you know kind of like what paul juris talks about where it's like okay let the person figure it out like maybe they have the best way to do that already inside them and maybe i'm getting in the way like maybe i'm getting in the way and so like I was thinking, um, things that I think of, because like when we're when I when I brought up the idea of okay, uh, what are the things that um, if somebody had whiplash listed on um, on their general history, because like how many people even ask for like if somebody had whiplash right or or an acceleration injury to the neck, so I'm just like okay, well let me just dial this back towards all the joints. Like what? How does how do I look at and perceive what's going on for the general well-being and control of the joints? And, and these are my own, um, I guess my own list of, of the thing, the focal points, right? And they're not all necessary, but they're just things that I think about, right? So there's actually 18 of them. Okay. So, well, so I, let's, I, of let's course, go. Of course, too many, right? So <laughs> I, I want you to... So Keith, like, are you overthinking this? Of course. That's why I want to hear like what you have to say about this, right? Okay. So, I'm gonna I'm gonna just forewarn you that I I only got an hour and a half of sleep last night. And so like this is all like I'm just like 
I'm going to do my I'm, best. And, and, I, and, and I'm, I'm coming in hot. So <laughs> You're coming is, in hot today for sure. So, <laughs> I already feel like I'm ruining the podcast with my my gibberish. But <laughs> This is perfect. This is perfect. It, like you only add to, to, to the sheer boredom that I bring, right? So um, you, you take away from the sheer boredom that I bring, I should say. <laughs> so like basically material integrity. Like how do we know? How do we know what any joint is is even like any age related changes, any arthritis, any torn ligaments, any frayed tendons, anything like that? Like, how do we how do we know? So these are all aspects of control. Is that what we're discussing right now? Yeah, okay. like all aspects, aspects of, of control that can okay, got it. that can affect control. Okay, got it. So if if the materials inside the body are messed up. Like yeah. how, how will we really know? Yeah, we don't, we don't always, we rarely, I guess. No. I mean, how many people have bulging discs and herniations and frayed tendons and torn ligaments and like muscles that are partially torn and sprained? And how many, like, yeah, yeah. How many people fill out that intake form and say they've never been injured? <laughs> like, like I never really even played sports. How could I be injured? Oh, there's that one time when I was in that car accident. <laughs> You're like, okay. I fell in a hole and I broke my ankle. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> that, I mean, it's, it's happening all the time. Like, it, or how many times does somebody say like, oh, I, I did this thing, but it was decades ago. It, it really wouldn't affect me now, would it? Yeah, I uh, I have a a very um, like I have a a very like uh, intense sentence that I put into all of my emails <laughs> for my new intake. Like mm -hmm. when I send my intake form, yeah, <laughs> that's like this is the most important thing to fill out. <laughs> Triple. Caps. I know it's long. <laughs> like, it's just this. <laughs> This is the thing. Like, if you're not going to fill out anything else, fill out this history form. Like, Phil, I need to know all of the things that have happened to you that were substantial. Yeah. I mean, that's that. And there and and almost always it comes back almost completely empty and then <laughs> and then i have to have a whole conversation and then by the time we're done with the conversation or by the time i'm finished with the range of motion exam that shit's like that shit's full like there's there's stuff has happened it, it anyway, just shows you how important <laughs> no it just shows you how important that communication of those things are because like i don't know when you were growing up um did anybody who was over the age of you say like, man, every time that it rains, I feel that in my knee, if they had like a knee thing or like I get migraines when, when it gets cold out or like they're, they're talking about previous traumas that have affected them now. And they, and they remember these traumas and you're just like, well, when people come in, they just completely disassociate anything that possibly had happened in their past that that, that could be staying with them, kind of like a computer that um, that that was shedding viruses. Well, th those people aren't even that they're not even connecting that there's any. They're just like, oh, this is just what happens now. This is just this is just where I'm at. This is just how life is. I'm just getting old. Yeah. I, I mean, you just hear it all the time, and I mean, I don't. Do you hear that much? I'm just getting old. Yeah. Do you ever yeah, hear that? Absolutely. Yeah. I hear it all the time. I sometimes hear it come out of my own mouth. 
<laughs> to be honest. <laughs> I just I just say that to my kids and they're Sometimes. like, yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> I say it to my parents. <laughs> mm, yeah. I, I don't say it to my parents. I just don't have kids. So I wanted to just say something <laughs> like I have something. I just wanted to just wanted to be a part of that. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to I just wanted to feel the feels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so what's the second one? Um, second one's mental state. Like where's somebody mm. at when they, when they come in and they're just like, either they, they're on edge, they've had a crazy day, or they're, um, they're guarding themselves to tell you, like, you know, I want you to figure this out. I want you to guess. <laughs> you're like, whoa. Ah. Like, no. Do you have that happen? Somebody's. I, I've had that happen in consults. Like, like, what do you mean you like, want me to well, kind of guess? guess like i'm supposed to be some sort of sleuth and i gotta figure this out without you telling me any information i'm like mm. did you do this to your medical providers <laughs> <laughs> wow i wonder what that's about maybe miss maybe mistrust we think about the sales process for anything you know yeah. sal the sales process we, we talked about that ad nauseum uh when when we were um when we were in Austin, you know, and I was in Austin and it was just like gaining people's trust to realize that the whole entire purpose of a sales and professional interaction is to see if it's a fit rather than just for just exchange of money. You know, the person isn't a dollar sign, they're a person. And the whole point is, is like, am I really qualified enough to fill the need that this person is looking for? It starts with, with the professional and that mindset. So, um, so going back to the mental state thing, mm -hmm. so, um, distraction is like mm -hmm. a, like a big one. I've been just kind of trying to piggyback off of what you were saying. Um, and, uh, were you done reading the whole thing? Oh, the whole list? No, no, no. The whole, no, <laughs> no, Keith, I know we have plenty more lists to go. I got, I got a list that you're like, you're like, he's, son of a, it's like 18, a really? List, well, we're, I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to, I'm just going to the, the, the cliff notes version of the, of the, of the list. So it's going to be nice and tidy. So people aren't going to fall asleep. Uh, okay. Especially you, because you've had an hour and a half of sleep. Why did you get an hour and a half of sleep? Was this crazy night? No, this has been going on for months, actually. I've been, um, yeah, I've been having some really intense insomnia pretty much since I had that family emergency. Um, mm. I, I came back and I was sleeping okay for a little while. I think I was just exhausted. And then, um, and then ever since then, it's just kind of gotten really bad. I actually had a, uh, um, actually had like a little nervous breakdown at one point. Yeah. Yikes, and, now, yeah. and now I'm like kind of, now I'm just kind of riding this wave of like just constant tiredness, um, but still wiredness. But do you, you know, do you have a, a functional doc anywhere there? Yeah, we do. We have a functional doc we work with. Do they do Dutch tests? Ooh, I don't know what that is. That sounds something that would be very important for you because mm. like it, it measures um, at least what I know about it which i believe i know about it i believe the dutch test measures uh cortisol to melatonin 
So you'll see mm. your cortisol throughout the day. And when the cortisol is supposed to be at a certain level, um, different levels throughout the day, and as cortisol goes down, melatonin is supposed to go up. So mm. in, if you see those markers going in different directions, and usually that means there's some sort of cortisol dysregulation. So, and you can actually help some of those factors with, um, with diet and, and like nutrient support. So some of it and some others can be helped with, um, with, uh, with therapy. So, I mean, some of it is one end and the other end is more of like actionable contextual stuff for your mind. Yeah. I think one of the, one of the big things talking about mental state <laughs> kind of ties in perfectly. Yeah. Um, is that, you know, since that happened and I had, after I had my nervous breakdown, actually, um, I, uh, started seeing a therapist and then I started seeing a new therapist. And so currently we're just kind of going through every single trauma that I've ever had in my life. And I think that that is a really big part of why this is happening. Cause you're just up all night, just constantly processing all this stuff that you've never really processed before. Mm -hmm. Um, and it is really intense and it seems, it seems like the, uh, adrenaline <laughs> that I get in the middle. It's like, I get adrenaline, like in the middle of the night, I feel, I feel like, like I wake up and my heart is pounding and mm. I'm, and it's, it's, my heart rate is, is up higher than it should be in bed for sure. Um, and there's nothing in particular that I'm anxious about. It's just like, just, it's just this, this is how it is. I'm just awake now. I'm wide awake. Yeah, the processing piece is is absolutely huge. And what's interesting is that the the majority of people that that ends up coming into the shop or the people that that we see, it's like, can you imagine? I mean, there's so many people dealing with with this. There's so many people dealing with these types of um, factors like insomnia. They're dealing with um, dysregulation of cortisol. They're dealing with um, intense mental stress throughout throughout their lives and, and like just coming in to try to feel better with exercise it, it means a piece of it and, and there's all these other pieces that that can help and so number one um awesome that you're that you're doing what you're doing and that you're processing this stuff um to have it move through because what a lot of people do is and what i've noticed especially what i did in the past was you know, get really good at compartmentalizing. And then it just ends up <laughs> ends up just crushing me. So I, mm -hmm. I can I can completely relate to um, some of the lower level stuff. And I would also say that um, the mental state, it, it, it accumulates over a lifetime. I mean, it just it, all the context just accumulates over the lifetime, just like um, my LDL. <laughs> <laughs> just like your ldl <laughs> so I, I, I yeah that i appreciate you sharing that because that's that's some huge stuff and the idea of when people are like oh you know you should be able to sleep through the night and this is something that like i i have a couple of people that i really respect and look up to within the exercise space and physio physiological space in 
there's these statements like you should be able to sleep through the night and you should be able to, to, to do this and you should be able to do that. And, and, and on the physiological side, they have all these really cool solutions and they're just like, but the exercise is no big deal. If you just exercise like this, you're going to be okay. And I'm just like, what? I'm like, oh my, what? Like just generalized exercise of sets and reps and intensity for Oh, so it was like an actual little program. It was like do these squats and do yeah, the, like, like that the circuit stuff, and ah. and even even if it was set in like a conjugate method or they're they're doing block periodization or whatever, it's just kind of like yeah, that's that's okay when the parameters are set for what this person's got going on in their knees and their hips and their back and whatever, because it's like being able to tolerate a specific implement or a load. It's like there that can completely dysregulate everything you were trying to do with with your food and your nutrient support you know and it can affect your sleep because like if if you're just consistently beating up a knee that's got no cartilage what are you doing it's like what are you gonna you're gonna like take enough chondroitin and glucosamine to like repair all your cartilage no not gonna happen yeah so and like i i, I find that fascinating because like just being a realist about about this stuff is that the work is is challenging and and it's client centric it's client based so each piece gets its own respect in the client centric model which is is constantly evolving because we learn more about what how, how people even work every day having this um this set exercise program for everyone in order for them to be able to sleep better just kind of takes me back to this concept that we've been talking about of individualization and and this idea that uh exercise is severely underrated mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like just move your body and you'll be okay move your body and you'll be fine but but that's not that's assuming that all people should be moving their bodies in the same way, mm-hmm. uh, which is absolutely not the case. That's, I mean, I haven't met very many people who should have the same exercise program. Well, I mean, and we're talking about, um, I believe the, the, the relationships between um, what we're what we're labeling things and how how we identify things are just so different because you know when somebody's talking about um, eccentric, isometric, and concentric exercise and have this what I used to have in my head and I'm not going to speak for anybody else. I'm going to speak for myself on this, right? I used to believe that I could think about the things that are shortening and the things that are lengthening or the things that are staying put in like some sort of isometric contraction as, as I'm watching a body do its thing. But like, I can't see underneath the skin. I can assume, but I can see angles changing of joint relationships over the skin. So it makes a whole lot more sense saying, okay, this angle is changing relative to this angle which then goes right into basic newtonian physics it's like the three laws it's like seeing how this stuff relates to how humans have defined physical laws to begin with it's like okay that lines up with this well what's inertia what's acceleration what's action reaction because like these are the ways that we're describing this dosing thing rudimentary 
and then we're seeing how these moments of 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 torque or these input these impulse moments really matter towards putting together a challenge and if we're not talking about these things in a way where it's like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna perturb this system to see how it's controlled or to define what orientation i have like it's it's light years away from saying squat for like three sets of 12 or or four sets or whatever and i want to get my 20 reps in at, at what percentage of what rm i'm like it doesn't even make sense until that other stuff is controlled like it doesn't even make sense Ooh, we we were talking about control <laughs> full circle <laughs> well, we're on number two <laughs> number three go <laughs> number three communication ability mm -hmm. This is, can I talk about this one? Please. This is, this is big for me. Do you have, have you, I'm sure you have had those clients. Have you had a client who will not tell you when they're in pain and you have to figure who refuses, like who just tries to muscle it out and you have to figure out their tells in order to be able to identify when something isn't working for them. You know, Yes, and is my yes and nice, nice work. Thank you. Thank you. I, I had to work on it all week, and I have the opposite where everything is labeled as pain. Yes, like that that just hurts so bad. I'm just like, what do you mean? Like, does it what hurt does... in this joint? Yes. Like, no, it just really, you know, like it's working really hard. I'm like, so it's working really hard. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, it's working really hard. Okay. Yes. So, like, it's like the the word stress. Mm-hmm. It's like, what do you mean by stress? Are you anxious or like, and when, what are you anxious about? So getting descriptive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Teaching people how to communicate what their, what their sensations are rather like in more detailed form, because we have the, the, you were talking about um, like granulating. Well, words um, matter. Yeah. Yeah. They just matter. It's like it, it, you could say the word Smurf for everything or functional. It's like, you know, when, when I was a kid and I watched, yeah, I'd watch the Smurfs when I was younger. Yeah. Yeah. Watch the Smurfs. And they, 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 they use the word Smurf and Smurfy to mm -hmm. replace like everything. And I'm just like, well, now the word doesn't really mean anything. Just like if something is functional, like, what do you mean it's functional? Like what's non-functional? Like, I'm going to just do the non-functional stuff, right? As, as Tom Purvis used to say. So then the idea is like, how to, like, what that person mean, like, how to, like, what are they, they're saying? What does it really mean? And then how do I interpret that? So like, we're on the same page because I'll never feel what they feel. So then how do I know what they're describing? Mm -hmm. Do you um, ask a lot of questions once they say that hurts? Oh yeah. What are how yeah. like how would you get how would you get from that hurts to exactly what somebody's feeling? Well, that's a great question. Like what is first of all, let me start out with asking you this. Um when somebody's like, ow, that hurts, what normally happens in a session when, as soon as someone says the ow that hurts? Oh, it stops. It is like you do not say that around me unless you mean it. Well, right. So, so everything stops, number one. And mm -hmm. usually there's this like sensation of 
okay, um, okay, we're just stopping. Then we're just going to switch gears. So either somebody like stops the movement and then has this like stress response of, okay, what do I do next to replace that? And they're thinking, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't, I don't want to do anything that looks like that. I like that thing sucks. I don't want to do that thing. So then I ask a, a, a series of questions around it. So I'm like, okay, so that hurts. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Well, can you point to where it hurts? Mm. Okay. Can you describe like the level of pain from one to 10? Okay. So if you do part of that movement, at what point does it hurt mm-hmm. in the movement? Okay. Does it hurt the same if we do it while you're seated or on your side or in this machine? Like, the, like does changing it happen? Like, mm-hmm. will something different happen? Right. Are you okay with it here? Like if your arm is, if you're doing like, say shoulder abduction, but instead of, instead of loading ab and adduction, you're loading flexion, you're loading like a horizontal abduction. So you're loading anterior to posterior mm-hmm. instead of superior to inferior. It's like, or I'm going to load inferior instead of superiorly. Okay. So it's like, can I do the same thing with a different load or can you only do myometric can you only do isometric can you do an involuntary plyometric like can i change the modes of contraction to stimulate a different response of fatigue rather than pain and so do people learn pretty quickly that if they say that something hurts you're about to go on like a huge tangent like a tangential adventure find it we're gonna find what to do next like we're going to yeah. find, cause like people now are like, okay, we're going to start solving these movement problems. Cause I, like, we're going to find something that's challenging. And even if it, a couple of reps hurt, like I want it to feel better. Like I want the whole system to feel better. I want you to feel powerful. I want you to feel empowered. So, and, and the only way to do that is to work together mm-hmm. instead of thinking I know best. I know more than I'm like, they have a whole bunch of information I will never have access to unless I ask. Mm -hmm. Never. So I have to be a really good question asker. The people who come to see you and people who come to see us um, in general, they learn to be good communicators mm-hmm. because we don't leave stones unturned. Like mm-hmm. we want to know all the things. I, it's one of the first things I tell people when we're starting an exercise. I'm like, tell me, tell me what you're noticing. Tell me anything you're noticing. Like I leave it open mm-hmm. and they say something to me. Uh, they, if they tell me that something hurts or something or that they're not feeling something. I tell them to describe what they are feeling, like describe it. Just asking those like open-ended questions I found because we've, we've been practicing it. We talked about, you and I talked about practicing our questions and I've been practicing quite a bit. Um, and the open-ended questions seem to be kind of the best because they can answer, um, they can answer in a much more detailed than personal way. They use they use the words that come to their head, not the ones that I put in their head. Mm-hmm. And yes and no questions don't tell me shit. They don't tell you anything. Yeah. And it's just it's just like, what what are we here for, right? Are we, are we here to just move around? Or like, are we here because you want to improve 
your your abilities and your health because we want you want to do this thing so it's like i'm constantly linking back to that fundamental objective like why are we here what's the purpose of being here mm-hmm. right because if 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 i'm relating it to this thing that they want to have because it's not what i want it's what they want mm-hmm. it's, it's a client-centric approach of what they want so it's like okay you know if you're going to go on this hike and you want to hike in the mountains like how how far do you think you need to be able to go? Like how far, like at altitude, how do you think your body utilizes oxygen? What are you doing to prepare for handling your body weight for thousands of repetitions of steps with reduced oxygen? Like, what are you doing for that? Like, and you want to go run, but you can't really walk well. Well, how much weight do you think you need to be able to handle with on one foot to handle thousands of repetitions on just jogging at six miles an hour on a treadmill? Like how, how much weight do you think that requires? And it's like, it's two times your body weight. So if you can't do multiple repetitions with two times your body weight loaded on a foot and feel fine, I don't know what we're talking about. Because that's that's the that's the reality of the scenario. So, but that's all related to their reality of the scenario. It's like that's the reality. Like, did you know that? So, then we can have a discussion about that, and then they can tell me exactly what they're experiencing, so that I can frame it. That framing is huge all around the stuff that they that they want. Like, oh, you you want to you want to lean out? Well, you know if. You, do you know what what like leaning out is so like reduction of body fat what is that about you know so it's it's all about context and framing and communication number four number four number four is the chemical state the biochemical state that somebody's in so Ooh, you touched on that already a little bit too yeah someone's lab work comes in and lipids are high um high glucose you know um pre-diabetic hypertension how would that that affect control specifically well it would definitely affect it could affect it may affect um ability to recover energy Mm. utilization um the the frequency of training because if they're not able to recover quickly and in mobilized substrates they're not going to be they're not going to be capable of recovering from exercises as quickly um another thing as well is uh, risk it's like overall risk and you want to see those markers change so it's cool that they have a baseline but then you know uh, okay if, if i push this person really hard um autonomically where they're at uh, heart rate average heart rate like if they're coming in with a heart rate of 90 just sitting still they're already doing cardio just sitting yeah so it's like and i've seen that happen to a couple of my clients they're like i'm like oh can you just throw in a i took their pulse and i'm like that seems high can you just throw on this this polar heart rate monitor and i'm like let's do this the submax thing you know and they're like at 90 i'm like oh let's just wait let's just like do a couple exercises do a couple sessions and and as they got a little more trained their heart rate actually decreased it was crazy. It was um, this is a wild one. 
um, this is a little tangent. When somebody had a major part of their body, they had difficulty controlling, say, like torso rotation. So they like they started rotating, and we did some some um, torso rotations to to um, upregulate the system or to potentiate the system. As they worked harder, their heart rate went down. Will you explain that to me? Right, I can't explain it. <laughs> okay, like literally, there there was no answer to that. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they were rotating, and they, their heart rate started at ninety. And then as they were going through, it went up a little bit to like 116. And then as they got better at it, the heart rate dropped down to like 70 and 65. Maybe, maybe, maybe something to do with their breathing. Like, I, I wonder, I I'm just, I'm guessing, yeah. but I'm just, I'm just wondering, I'm musing about what that, what that could possibly yeah, be. I, I, I don't know. I like, I, I would imagine that like if somebody had comfort level non yeah non-conscious regulatory control over the different positions in space that that they had a whole bunch of of these kind of like um poorly controlled zones or damaged tissue that now is starting to like become potentiated so the body and the mind or the mind maps of the cns say like this is a viable option now maybe the central system would say now my anxiety state goes down so now i'm more parasympathetic than sympathetic i mean it it could be but like that's a i don't know it's far reaching so I, bodies I are bodies are just weird it's really strange to like what find out what's comforting to somebody right so like autonomically like a heart rate just drops down and they're feeling more calm because they can rotate right i'm like okay that just happened right and, so it happened at two separate times. I'm like, I'll see if it happens again. Oh, it happens again. Okay. All right. Make a note. So that that's um chemical state and then um slightly different. Uh, and a part of that is the energetic state, like um what kind of energy level people have coming in, also um substrate wise, like does somebody kill it on phosphocreatine, but then like when they're they're going to the anaerobic zone they just suck at everything but then if they do something very light they can do it forever so then beta oxidation is doing awesome <laughs> but like that middle zone they just are terrible at so maybe maybe there's a log jam somewhere within um how they're utilizing glucose like maybe they're not utilizing glucose very well and and like seeing how that person reacts to glucose by doing a glucose tolerance test may be important or their hba1c or even fasting glucose maybe a tell of how well they're utilizing the substrate could be that one is that one is a uh, a little above my head at the moment well i mean <laughs> okay. have, you, have you ever like have you ever like um had somebody do an exercise and and the duration was like 60 seconds Mm -hmm. And they're just like gassed. Yeah. And then you've ever had somebody do a set and they can only do it like for, for like say 16 seconds. But then if you were to go like even a pound lighter, they could do it for like 30, 40 reps for like oh, over yeah. a minute. Yeah. So like they're, they're, they're like, they're losing this middle zone of being able to utilize, uh... utilize energy. It seems at different amounts of force production. Yeah. 
So it's like, oh, that's weird. That is weird. And it is true. Yeah. It's a thing. Yeah, it's it, it's it's a thing. So overall, like that's when I think of control, those are those are really big pieces of that. You know, I, I would say those are fundamentally some of the biggest pieces. And then what happens when I perturb the system? Can I can I go back to the energy thing that we were just talking about? I just have a question. Yeah. yeah. Um so let's say you're working with somebody who has that weird little black hole thing, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> got. And so which one do you train them at? Like what, what are, what are some things that you want to look at to decide like what you're, are you going to be training them at the one, at the one pound lighter? Or are you training them for the 16 seconds with the heavier weight? Like, what do you, how do you. It's funny, Brandon and I, that decision. Brandon and I have been talking about this and, 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 um, this is how I approach that scenario where somebody's like strength, they just like, they have this drop off in force production ability. We call it like strength, but it's like coordination under load. Um, so then what I do is I, I can look at parts of the range to see like where they're okay and where they're not okay. If there's um, any type of anchoring problem off of the movement. So it, do, do they feel sensations somewhere else? So, so instead of, so instead of continuing to train the exercise, you're, you're delving more into like, why is this happening and mm -hmm. how can we kind of patch this before we continue? Yeah. So if like, if the whole system is connected, like maybe they're feeling sensations somewhere else in their body that would lead me to saying, okay, what if I, we did something here and the other stuff just got better? Like, what if? Like just throw it out there and then run the experiment to see like, Hey, is this, is this possible? Cause like, what is it going to hurt to do a different exercise and then come back and all of a sudden see that person do like 30, 40% more weight or, or like hundred percent more repetitions. Like what happens if, if that occurs? So, cause I've seen it happen before where like we're working on say knee flexion. Like he, someone's on, uh, someone's doing leg curls, right? A prone leg curl. So they're doing prone knee flexion and one side hits up 30, 30 pounds for an isometric maximum. And then the, the other side, or sorry, it hits up like 50 pounds. Yeah, no, 30 pounds for an isometric maximum. And the other side hits up 80 pounds for an isometric maximum. You're just like, geez. So then I, I, I put it down about 40% to about 40% to see like, or 35% to see if a person can start doing reps at that range and they're like one side hits up all day it doesn't stop and then the other side they do like seven and like i feel that in my back <laughs> like oh yeah well let's do it let's let's check your hips and let's check yeah. your torso and see see if you're lacking control somewhere there mm -hmm. so we go through some hip stuff everything was fine like can do hip internal hip external rotation hip extension um hip flexion hip adduction hip abduction we're like checking all these to see like can you can can you just hold these positions you know, pretty solid cool um bilateral hip extension anchoring on a on a west side um reverse hyper mm -hmm. nothing okay bilateral unilateral fine unilateral fine bilateral nothing okay let's start doing so doing some concentric slash myometrics so okay drive it up what happens and do they get better so he gets better i'll go back to the leg curl right the prone knee flexion 
dude hits like I can't remember what it went up to. It was like we had to stop at a minute and a half because he could then do what he could only do like for about five to eight times that he felt in his back and had to stop. And he now he did 30, 40 repetitions. And you're like, okay, well, that all right. All right, now I can start doing unilateral knee flexion and see how that affects his bilateral hip extension slash lumbar extension in a, in a prone state, in a prone configuration. So it's like, okay, now that that's how I'm linking up these decisions. And then it's like, then I can run a simple test and be like, okay, now, now that you have that, how many times, or if I do this prone knee flexion thing, will it affect your bilateral hip extension, lumbar extension with knee extension? Like, will it affect it or will it not? By that time I'm running that test, people are just dead. <laughs> They're exhausted. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, okay, well, do you want to do you want to see how that affects um, your deadlift or squat? Because you wanted to get better. Because like their fundamental objective was, like, I want to get better at squatting. Like, I want my legs to feel okay with squatting and deadlifting. Okay, like, well, let's do some, let's do some deadlifting. All wrapped around what the person wants and seeing if it's okay. Because we can run it in a safe environment and then we can recheck to see like if they got it and then and then they can tell me, was it okay? Like, oh, it feels pretty good. All right, cool. Or I don't feel so good. Okay. All right. So it just here to observe and see if that trend gets better. Like, is the are we trending better or are we just staying not so good? Did that help? Yeah, it did. Cool. Cool. I, I, was, I was running through it, running really through cool. it in my head. It was <laughs> in, like all of that. I was, imagining, <laughs> <laughs> I was imagining all of it at AMR. <laughs> mm. and, that, and, I, and those are the things that I think are, are really cool. I'm going to, I'm going to run these past you real quick. So these other ones that I, that I'm like, these matter. Um, okay. um, time management. Like when people say they have time for something or don't have time for something, like say homework and or eating better and or sleep and or therapy or whatever, that's a that's a problem that that even doing one little step may then empower people to change how they how they prioritize what they do in a day. You know, uh, wait, this is we're still talking about control in an exercise or control in a movement. Yeah, well-being of, of joints, because like if you don't take the time to then do the stuff that you need to do to get better at control, oh. you're, you're not, you're not going to have control. You need practice. I've <laughs> connected <laughs> it now. Okay. There's, okay, no okay. there's no practice. So I'm just oh. like, okay, so you're going to get like your, your general well-being of this stuff is completely, it, it, it is imbued, imbibed in the, the idea that it takes time for your machinery these like what do you think cells are made out of what do you think the signaling process is how do you think like you get better by by a stimulus that helps your body encode it, it, it proteins right that, that makes proteins in in like in this crazy phospholipid environment that like these cells have to be able to talk to each other and like share information and that takes time and that takes a stimulus and it takes rest as well. So it takes an adaptation and a stimulus and it takes recovery for that process to happen. So it's like balancing that out. 
it takes time management skills because it won't happen if nobody practices. My big takeaway from that was do your homework. Do your homework in whatever that homework may be, because sometimes your homework is drinking more water. Well, it's like, okay. You know, it's like completely dehydrated people do not. Hey, you got your water. I do. Yeah. Since our last conversation, I've been trying to drink more water because I was pretty overwhelmed with the number of ounces that you threw out Isn't there. Isn't that crazy? I'm just like, man, I'm going to pee like every two seconds. So it's like, you got, you got time management. Um, you got like the, the idea of coordination, like how, like, mm -hmm. what is this coordination like? Um, because coordination is is under various conditions like uh, is it coordination under higher loads co coordination under like graded loads is it coordination with different velocities mm -hmm. um, crazy configurations are you going to see a specific skill and then go back and see like how it transfers mm -hmm. like a skill to a transfer of a skill so that's that's the coordination side um the person call that organization yeah. To my clients, I call it organizing. I'm like, are you, I'm like, does that feel organized? Or mm. we'll, we'll talk, we'll just, we'll change something and we'll discuss um, whether it feels connected and organized. Mm. I don't know if that, is that, is that what you're talking about? Is that what you're referring yeah. to? That, that, okay. that is. So like, yeah, that, and that ties directly into, um, to me, that's the combination of seven and eight. Like I have coordination is like how well they perform the thing. And then eight is like how well they thought they performed mm -hmm. the thing, mm -hmm. which is the sense of agency. Like how good do I feel about myself? Mm -hmm. So in that, that is part of mental state, but it's really just this deep sense of what, what changed when I did this thing and like, where did I feel it? And then that, process of communication is the outlet of that sense and that 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 awareness of what you perceived of your agency like oh i like that that's it that's good or it's not so good like that and and you sometimes you'll see people do an exercise or it was good but yeah sometimes yeah. it was good yeah. but there's still this thing that's nagging me it's just a little off yeah, have you have you ever seen somebody's like expression when the exercise actually produces anxiety. Yes. So like all of a sudden they have this look on their face like this. They're like, they're like the eyes are down and they have like this disheveled look on their face. And you're just like, whoa, what, what just happened? I have two words for you. Lumbar extension. <laughs> That's like <laughs> that medics one. lumbar extension. <laughs> <laughs> That's a killer. And Brandon's like, I love this thing. I'm like, dude, I got just. I cannot do that machine. Like I have, I have nightmares about the lumbar MedX machine. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that is where I, I sometimes preface the whole thing with being like, if you're not comfortable with this, it's okay. Because, <laughs> because it's such a, it's so scary for people. If you have back pain and then we're asking you to do the thing under load, it's terrifying. It is. It's completely terrifying. And, and, and the idea of, um, when once you're locked into something too, there's just oh. no room for error. It's like you're either like confident that you can handle all these different forces. And when it's localized in an area and you have no way to compensate, you're I mean the, the forces in that I mean, this thing about it, like a fulcrum. What is the fulcrum really doing when on a teeter totter? 
it's not just handling the weight of one kid on the teeter-totter, it's handling the weight of both kids on the teeter-totter at one point. So it's like if the tug-of-war or teeter-totter is just on one fulcrum, that fulcrum's got to be able to handle that load. And if it's deteriorated and there's inflammation at that joint already, watch out. <laughs> watch out. Because <laughs> people like literally go white. <laughs> go white they're like oh man I'm like man that thing really got you huh yeah okay let's see if we get some color back in your system <laughs> so scary for people it is it is it can be it can be and you know it's like um the the rest of these these general well-being for for like control of the joints um it really comes down to knowing the person it's all wrapped around the, the last piece is really about the person. So it's like, how well do you know the person that you're working with? Like, what is their, what are their medications? Um, what is their work history, daily usage? Like, were they an athlete? Did they have trauma? Um, what's their autonom autonomic function like? Training status? Are they around environmental pollutants and and or were they were they sick at one point in time? It's like how well you ask questions or Iowa ask questions around what my client has been through helps me deliver better expectations of where I should start and then how I can progress. Because like the person that comes in, like I don't know if you've had this, but like the person comes in and, and like one day they're amazing and the next day they're just like blown up. And then the next day they're amazing mm -hmm. and then the next day they're good. And but then like another day they're just blown up. And you're like, well, what happened? Mm. Like, well, like, well, like it, it, it's like even difficult for them to train because like all yeah. of a sudden their back is a certain way or their knees a certain way. Mm -hmm. And you're like, all right, how, how are we going to get better? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that absolutely has happened. It actually happened, uh, what day is it today? Shit, that's hard when you don't sleep. Right, um, I'm telling you, it's it, well, remember, yesterday. Today, today's Thirsty Thursday. Today's Thirsty Thursday. Uh, yesterday was Wacky Wednesday. Wacky Wednesday. So, so uh, yeah, so yesterday that happened. It's just really interesting to see somebody, especially when you see them multiple times a week and they come in one day and they are rocking it they are like beast mode and then the next time you see them you come in you ask them how they're doing they get that look on their face <laughs> and <laughs> they proceed to tell you about some crazy story um and then they can't do anything mm -hmm. yeah no that that's that happened to me um a week ago from friday where everything was great but they came back from a flight and they got a little less sleep than what they were, were used to. And so we we're going through everything, They're doing great. And then I check shoulder extension because a person had some shoulder stuff in the past. And as soon as I did the test, they got a migraine. Mm. I was like, hold this here. And all of a sudden, boom, they're like, oh, hold on. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> so whatever had happened previously to them and like, if they were dehydrated or like well, the exercise selection that we chose stressed them a certain way. Um, they had to stop the session at four, at like 40 minutes. And I'm like, okay, I'm like, all right. I'm like, he's like, can I just lay down here for a while? I'm like, yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Mistake. 
it's like you know it's like and i think everything's going better and better and better it's like it's checking in making sure that i'm prepared for the session because the people that come in they're they're people talk like well you should work with relatively healthy individuals i'm like oh, i'm sorry that excludes just about the entire american population because like <laughs> I'm like, there's so many unhealthy people in, in America yeah. that, that are, that all experience some sort of pain or discomfort. So then who are you going to train? It, it just seems like having a better bearing of, of, okay, here, here's what we do. It, I'm like, instead of talking about, and I have nothing against stretching and I have nothing against massage. I just got to call it what it is, right? Like people are still calling it stretching, which is to me, like, it's such a vague term. It's like getting more granular and better and more specific to describe the orientations and positions that people are, are and forces that people are being subjected to because like calling it a hamstring stretch is just mm -hmm. so vague mm -hmm. because it's like, okay, so what, what tissues are, are, are being tensed right now? Which, what tissue, what sides being shortened? Are you supine? Are you prone? Or like, what's going on with this thing? And like, why, why are we choosing a, a, a forced plyometric into the end range of motion? Like, why are we doing it? Like, what's the purpose? Because that's what's happening. A forced eccentric or going to an end of a range of motion and driving into it for some sort of autogenic response. Yeah, like, I, I, I don't know. It just seems like, it just seems so vague like getting past that into what's really happening it's like come on like okay we're going to push out of this position what kind of what kind of force can you develop we're gonna we're gonna ease into this position what kind of force can you tolerate like cool like then we actually have some real numbers some real ranges and then we have real subjective reporting to find the quality of what's actually happening well those are my general well-being of the of any joints list which now has put everybody to sleep including you because you had about a, an hour <laughs> <of sleep. laughs> well girl i appreciate you taking the time and, and talking with me about this stuff and uh, especially on um, such little sleep mel get some sleep i'll see you next time i'll see you next time bye bye <laughs>